2: Okay, I'm very excited about this podcast. With Kathy Thomas, you are the woman who does it all. You are fearless. Okay, well, here's the thing. I I, I can't say fearless about stuff because everybody has fear. You don't let fear stop you. And that is what I admire about you. From career changes, to being a woman boss, to starting Collective 615, which is the first woman's workspace collective workspace in Nashville. You are not scared to go for big dreams when you don't necessarily know what's happening.
3: (laughs) That might be a very true statement right there.
2: (laughs) But I appreciate that. and I admire that because how can you ever get anything done and accomplish, accomplish greatness if you aren't willing to take that jump?
3: I I mean, I think it's true. And I think more people do it than they're willing to admit. I think people think that they have to come across and say, oh, this was very calculated and I did all this research and I planned and I strategized and I did this and I, you know, set my finances in place. And yeah, I mean, I think a lot of big wins come in like just jumping in. Yeah. So.
2: I want to start off by reading this Instagram post that you posted. It's long and it's really emotional. (laughs) Um, It's the day that you open collective 615. And I don't know. Everything makes me want to cry. So I'm probably going to cry when I read this, but it says today is the day I grew up in a family with a father that controlled my mom's every move. who controlled her finances, friendships, schedule all while slowly dishing out enough verbal abuse to keep her submissive to him. I'm not sure why I was able to see this at 13, but I clearly knew that I would never And I mean, never be in a relationship like this. I vowed to protect my mom, which for a young girl meant filling her with compliments, praising her not only for her beauty, but for her skill as as the talented carpenter and always being supportive every time she wanted to leave him and there for her when she couldn't find the strength to do it. I witnessed him lay a hand on her one time, which I would like to believe was the only time, but we all know that probably isn't true. As I grew up, I knew I had to create a life that would support me financially, so I never felt... I had to rely on a man to support me. I always had to be able to stand on my own two feet. I chose a career in retail and oddly enough, always had male bosses who believed in me, lifted me, promoted me and pushed me to be my best self. This made me realize that I could make room in my life for a man who wasn't intimidated by me, my equal and supporter of all my dreams, no matter how large or crazy. Then God led me to Rob. And I found exactly that. Fast forward, I left corporate to pursue my dreams of photography, a career once dominated by men. I found a community of talented women. I was surrounded by people who loved their careers and worked crazy hard for them. What I wasn't prepared for was this from home thing, a joke of a term that makes women think that that is an honor to turn their home into a workspace. I won't even go there. It secludes you, confines you, and leaves you with a business without a place to do business. Then I moved to Nashville for Rob's career. Happy to support him, but not prepared to find... But but not prepared to find not one workspace that reflected femininity, the boss lady vibes that I had in Orlando. I decided to take matters into my own hands and I borrowed all the money a bank would give me. And today Nashville will have its first co-working space for women. Wow. That is packed full. That post right there.
3: That sure was.
2: (laughs) Break that down for me.
3: Oh, wow. You're the first person that's ever asked me to do that. I'm like sweating. (laughs)
2: A lot, Kathy, I mean, starting with your yeah.
3: dad and your mom. I mean, I think talk. a lot of it is. I definitely grew up in. You know, I'm from Wyoming. Um, I grew up in a large family. Um, we're not as large anymore. And you know, I mean, my dad owned a construction company, and I was around hired hands my whole life. And you know, I had a sister who took over the family business. My dad had all girls. Um, it, it my it's it's a large family. I have half sisters, but there's nine girls total. Um, wow. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, a lot of obviously femininity rolling through uh, my upbringing and everything. But my dad was, you know, he was a lot older than my mom, Um, grew up, you know, in the 20s, 30s, 40s. So he was a lot older than my mom. And just kind of it was the way he was raised. It's no excuse. It's just kind of how he was. And as the baby in the household, I was obviously the last to leave I think I, at that point, just saw things a lot differently. I had different dreams for myself. You know, I knew I didn't want to stay in Wyoming. I know I wanted to be in a bigger city. I wanted to see the world. And I think with that, I was able to take off a lot of my blinders and really see things at true value. Um, and things that continued to present itself to me as I got older. In college, I'd come home and I would see a lot of like the verbal abuse, just like enough to keep someone torn down a little bit. Um, And, you know, it obviously made me, um, not the biggest fan of my father as I got older and that was, that was tough for me to realize as I kind of got older and, but I knew it, you know, and I would say things to my friends growing up in high school. I would, I'd make comments like, you know, I'll, I'll never, you know, I I don't want to be a stay at home mom. I want to be able to stand on my own two feet. I want to have a lucrative career where I can make my own decisions, you know, buy what I want to buy, take the trips I want to take. Um. And so I kind of lived by that motto and I didn't realize how it kind of ingrained so deeply in me that it affected a lot of the relationships I did have. And so I was set fast paced and determined to like climb the corporate ladder. Um, I was lucky enough to get into companies that allowed me to do that. And again, like I said, some of the people who supported me the most in my career, um, it, it, was, it was all men. I mean, I had one of my very first executive bosses, his name is Jeff Zimmerman, um, he promoted me through the ranks with Lucky Brand Jeans I, from Orlando. I went to Philly, covered the Mid-Atlantic. From Philly, I went to New York City, covered the East Coast. Um, he walked me down the aisle on my wedding day, like someone who really stood wow. beside me. Mm-hmm.
2: So you, did you, had you lost your relationship with your dad or had he passed away?
3: Or- um, we definitely had lost a relationship, but he was on the verge. He, he passed away five, uh, three months after my wedding. So um, he would not have been in attendance, but um, my parents were divorced at that time and that blame really fell heavily on his eyes on me. So Um, really?
2: So he thought you were the cause of the divorce?
3: He did. He blamed me a few times.
2: Wow. That's a lot Mm -hmm. to take as a daughter.
3: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I think at that point I was so set and determined that like it was was more fuel than it was fire. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. And so it just made me more and more determined to kind of, you know, prove, prove, I guess, him wrong, prove others wrong, prove myself right, kind of all the, probably the unhealthy reasons why you drive yourself to the success you tend to do. And then, you know, I was in New York City and I was at the top of my career and I was loving it. Um, I was working for one of the number one luxury houses in the world. And I can imagine. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Like a.
3: Yeah. So I was with Louis Vuitton. Oh, mm-hmm.
2: great! Awesome.
3: Yeah, it was amazing company, amazing experience, and you know I was really close with our executive team and seeing kind of what their lifestyles look like and seeing other friends, other friends in New York City who were also were on the same trajectory as me, like very corporate VP driven. Um, and then I it was actually so to dive in deeper, uh, my dad had a heart attack, and I went home, making me choked up. <laughs>
2: It's okay, <laughs> And I, cry
3: the I remember I was like, oh. there was so much drama. I mean, things that would be like a novel versus a podcast, um, drama involved um, at the hospital with like police involved and people who couldn't be in the same room as each other. And I was like, wow. And I remember seeing him and I was like, you did this to yourself. And I was like, if I get to this point in my life and I'm laying on a hospital bed because I had a heart attack, I would hope there was nothing but love around me. And that was definitely not the case for him. And so, um, so there's a lot of people there.
2: Stuff Was What's it just that? like, he had like business drama and stuff like that?
3: He had everything drama. You know what I mean? I think when you're someone who can conducts yourself with kind of belittling others constantly, um, it carries through every relationship you have. Um, and it plays out in different ways in all those relationships. So it was just, a, it was really kind of an unfortunate time. And I remember being on the plane flying back to New York. And I right then said to myself, I was like, I, I don't want to be alone. Like if I stay on the path that I'm on, which is focusing on my career and where I'm going personally and as like my solo climb, that that could be me just on a different path. And I got back and it was on a Sunday I flew back and I was like, okay, I need to really be open to like finding love and realizing that someone would be okay. That like my priorities are my career and my priorities are, you know, having a game plan for my life, which I never felt my family ever really did. I kind of felt like they always winged it. Um, Wednesday I met Rob.
2: Are you serious?
3: Mm-hmm. You walked into one of my stores.
2: So you're yeah. like a super attractor.
3: Yeah. Oh, I told, I, I absolutely 100% like, like full f- faith. Yes. One,
2: 100%. So when you get your mind set and you are fully open and ready to receive, like you are all in there mm-hmm. and like with your full presence, like it comes fast, huh? Like you don't doubt yourself when you're ready.
3: No. I mean, I, I, I won't say I don't doubt myself. I think, um, like I try to channel in like, you know, like I'm like the queen of like memes, <laughs> but you know, it's like all these little like motivational quotes, memes, like I, I, they all come from somewhere, whether they're funny, sarcastic, whatever, but I'm big on like, and I, I'm big on like hearing messages. Um, and so I'm like, well, if they did it, why can't I like, you know, you have two arms, two legs, they breathe, they eat the same food I eat, they sleep in a bed. Like I do like, why, if they can, why can't I sometimes obviously finances are different. Resources are different, but I think all the things that might set you apart from someone else, it doesn't mean that you can't, acquire those skill sets. You can't, you know, I mean, there's one thing, like I knew I was never going to be like a point guard for basketball team. Like I've always also taken risk within my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, went, yeah I was point working guard and,
2: guard and, point guard and
3: How,
2: did you know when you saw him, were you like, dang?
3: Um, I thought he was really attractive. Um, I was very distracted. I was at the Queen Center mall. I was firing someone for stealing like $9,000 in deposits so okay. I had detectives, I had police on hand. He walked in, it was a really challenging day. It was a store I hardly ever went to. Um, and he kind of picked up on the energy in the room. He's in law enforcement, so it made sense that he would pick up on it. And we just kind of got to talking. We had something in common, which was Orlando. He was from Orlando. I had lived there. So we kind of got to talking about that and just chit-chatting. And then I was like, wow, he's really cute. Like, <laughs> this is a really attractive guy. Um, And I was, like, dropping hints. I was like, so where do you hang out? What do you do in the city? (laughs) Um, And he was, like, making it sound like he, like, rendezvoused in the city all the time. He didn't, which is hilarious. (laughs) Um, And I was like, my friend's debuting in a play on Broadway. You should come to the after party. And so he did. He showed up to the after party. And then it was kind of... um, I wouldn't say we were inseparable from that point forward, but we kind of had like one little hiccup, which was just, it was hilarious. It's a story I'll have to tell you over wine sometime because it's cute. And then by that following week, he came and showed up at my office on Fifth Avenue and 24th and 23rd, took me out to lunch. And six months, eight months later, we were in the Hamptons and he said to me, we are swimming in the pool. And he's like, if I ever asked you to marry me, would you say yes? And I was like, oh my goodness, I actually think I would. <laughs> Six months later, he proposed, and um, here we are. We just celebrated our 11-year wedding anniversary and 13 years together.
2: What is the secret to marriage? Because all your posts – I know marriage is hard in the fact – because, I mean, obviously I'm married too. Like, it's hard. Like, combining two lives, choosing to be a unit, dealing – I mean, raising a kid, finances, like, all the things that go with being a unit – challenging for anyone just like you know but it's a choice and so every I I believe I'm just from being around you and from like knowing you the way from the little time I've known you which was like instant the second I met you I was like gosh Kathy's a badass (laughs) but you seem to prioritize your marriage and it seems that Rob does too and how do you make your marriage stay strong
3: really good question. So it's funny you say that. So being transparent, going into quarantine, I started reading books about like how to save your marriage. I was like downloading things on like how to save my marriage. Like how do I quarantine with my husband? Um, for the first, so first 10 years of our marriage, and then obviously 11 years of our relationship, he traveled full-time. He did counterterrorism. So he traveled full-time. So we only slept in the same bed about three nights a week. And that was perfect for us because I traveled, he traveled. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are like, you're the first person I've, I first and only friend I have that either got into a relationship or got married. And I see more of you because I had all my time and I'm big on my time. Um, And so I went into quarantine going, is this the right marriage for me? Like I was truly questioning those things um, because I don't think we're the best at communicating. I watch some of my friends and they, I feel like they're best friends with their husbands. And they're like, literally, it's like best friends. They like cook together, clean together. I might not see a lot of passion in their relationships, but like they're definitely the same synergy. And so I think I found myself like comparing myself like, oh, well, why doesn't our marriage look like that? Because um, Rob and I are vastly different on all platforms except for our finances and our family. And those values are in our faith. Those are rock solid together. Um, and so... As, you know, the finances I COVID family. saved my marriage. It <laughs> did? Well, I mean, we weren't in a bad place, but I definitely was like spending some time, like how do we make our marriage better? Um, and can we? So I wasn't really thinking about what the end result it was. It was more about what can we do to make our marriage better now?
2: So what happened during COVID that brought y'all closer together?
3: Um, time where yeah. I was not racing against time. I, I'm a go, go, go. People ask me a lot, like, so why collective? And I was like, I had five weeks off from shooting. And so of course I'm going to start a business that I've had kind of on the back burner for a while. So that's, um, that, and that's truly who I am. I think I I shared with you before we started recording that I am meeting with a coach on Sunday. That's like helping me just appreciate my downtime and feel so much value in the time I am putting into work and into my projects and into my friends and the relationships I have out there that when I have downtime to just appreciate it and not try to fill it with more. Mm-hmm. Because I am definitely a, a fill, fill it up.
2: Like yeah. if you got time, you're going to fill it.
3: Absolutely. And so we, he went into work where he was in work for a week, off for a week, in work for a week. Mm-hmm. And so we really just, we spent time aligning. You know, I thought it was going to be like passionate. We were going to have like sex all the time, <laughs> and, you know, breakfast in bed and nice dinners. Um, and like hard, hardly any of that happened. <laughs> and we spent more time, you know, we spent more time just really like talking about my business, which, you know, he's not really involved with any of my businesses. And I really started sharing with him because I'm the person when I'm done at the end of the day and I come home, he's like, tell me about work. I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk.
2: Because you're so tired. No,
3: no, no. I'm just tired. And but so you
2: let him in. You actually mm-hmm. had time and space to let him in, which really then is so great because it lets him be a part of your passion, which then probably even makes you love him more because you realize how much he cares about your dreams and wants you to thrive.
0: Mm-hmm. But you just
2: had to have the time and the energy to give that to him, which is crazy because now that you're here, you're probably thinking obviously it makes a lot of sense to do that because, you know, look how it's helping you thrive.
3: Absolutely. I mean, and it's and it, even kind of coming back into our new normal or whatever we're calling this, you know, the second he walks in the door or even me, like I'm more excited now to get home at night where I used to leave it to the business. Like I'll get home when the business is done. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, no, I want us to eat together. No, I want the time where I'm not so burnt that I don't have time to share with him. And it really just happened naturally. But it was also, you know, when you're forced to be quarantined for almost nine weeks with someone, I think you go one way or the the other. And we just decided to like, and, and unintentionally, but we just reconnected. And I think you were right. He got plugged into like my worries. I started sharing my worries with him. I normally don't. Like, I'm kind of like a tough shell, put some dirt on it, get back in the game type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say a lot of my members at Collective are helping me kind of peel back that that skin that's just kind of protecting me in so many ways. Um, and like, I cried on my husband's shoulder for the first time since, I think since we had Stella.
4: Wow.
2: What does that make you feel about vulnerability? Because like, oh it's so goodness. hard to be vulnerable, but sharing and showing your vulnerability, especially to your significant other, it really is a game changer. It's, it softens, 100%. it softens you, you know?
3: Yeah. So, and Rob's the crier in our marriage. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so, um, but you know, I've seen him like he loves his family and there's been times, you know, leaving his family makes him cry. When we moved here, it made him cry. Um, And I'm definitely, since I've had a daughter, I definitely weep more than I ever have. And sometimes it's like, you know, I'll be in church and I'm like so happy that we go to a dark mega church because I could sit there and cry and nobody sees me. Um, (laughs) But he does the same thing too. And so we'll we'll joke, we'll look at each other and like, you know, baptism Sunday, him and I are just both pouring with tears. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think that opened up a lot of... um, us just really being us to each other. But honestly what happened is I woke up in bed. It was probably week four of quarantine and I was crying. And I thought to myself, if I didn't have collective at this point, this would almost be like a vacation. All my weddings, I'm a wedding photographer. All my weddings have been rescheduled. Nobody canceled. All of them were rescheduled. I was booking new business. Um, I was finding time to pour into my, my team and so I thought, wow, if I, if I had not borrowed against literally everything we own to open this dream of mine, uh, this would be like a vacation. But instead, I've actually put my family in like a very hard predicament because in a time where nobody is showing up to, need to work and I own a co-working space that had been o- open for six weeks um, wow. and then a community co-working space, it's not like someone could go into an office and just hide.
2: So like you got hit hard. It's like, not only is it a working space where no one's working, but it involves being in community. Damn.
3: And it's event driven. You know what I mean? It's all about providing resources and education and exposures to our member. And that's done in a community setting. So I just woke up and I started crying and it was the first time I cried. And then he was downstairs and I came down and he was sitting on the sofa. And again, this is just not an action I would take. I literally walked up to him and just caved on him and wrapped my arms around him and I just bawled like just bald. And, um, he kind of has this thing. I've, he, he will cry if I cry. Cause he's like, I know you're tough. So if you cry, you're really in pain and that breaks his heart. So,
4: oh.
3: you know, and I apologized to him and he said, there's no fault. Like we're going to be fine. This is going to be okay. He's like, that's one thing you are really good at is you're going to figure it out.
2: Wow. Now. Okay. Yeah. I just want to cry and have chills because <laughs> if that isn't Marriage, right there, him saying, (laughs) Yeah, I support you and I am here with you. And yes, we're in a financial situation that's tough right now, but like, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Man, is that not marriage at the end of the day? We can get so caught up in so many other things, but have somebody who loves you and is with you. You know, to have someone who just loves you and is with you and believes in you, that is a lot. That's invaluable. That is priceless.
3: I agree. And so like seeing, you know, and it's so hard, it's so easy with social media and seeing like people TikToking together, like as silly as that seems. It is so true, girl. Like, and anyone who says and admit it's true, I'm like, oh, well, they're cute. Look what they do together. And they made up a dance together. Oh my goodness, they cook together. We do none of those things. But there is so many other things that we do that people don't see that kind of makes us rock solid.
2: Well, and here's the thing. It's the highlight reel. It is the total highlight reel. People, I just was looking at your Instagram and I was sitting there thinking like, damn, Kathy is like, her life is incredible. You have this beautiful (laughs) daughter who is a gymnast, like next level gymnast who can do all sorts of, crazy things who's <laughs> stunning you have a husband who is so cute tattooed your face on his arm i, I mean <laughs> he loves you so Spice. much he tattooed, he tattooed your face on his arm you are a woman who is not afraid to go for it put yourself out there your husband supports you with it i was like you are the dream like i'm sitting there going oh, like gosh goodness. like how can anyone compare to you like you're the one who goes and makes it happen while having a family while, like, not being afraid. I mean, that is the dream. You are the dream.
3: Think. Oh, I'm keeping you in my life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, but we don't realize it about ourselves. Yeah. That's the problem. Oh, we We're too so hard on ourselves. Like, we, we, like you said, you look at someone's Instagram or someone else's social media, and you're like, they have it all together. But like, we have no idea what's going on yeah. behind closed doors with them, you know?
3: And I'm really good at filtering through that. Like I, I talk to my friends all the time when they're like, I need a break from Facebook. And I will say, to be honest, I don't really look at social media in that way. I look at it more in like, why don't we cook together versus what the lifestyle looks like? You know, why don't we do like the domesticated <laughs> skills together? And we're totally not that couple at all. We are not a domesticated couple. You know, we live in East Nashville and people are like, you guys don't seem like East Nashville people. And we're like, we want a zero lot line, no mowing. <laughs> we want to be able to go and get out easily. Um, and, and it's funny because that's where we're so on the same page, you know, and so our stuff might not look great in a, in an Instagram feed. It is other places. And it's realizing that, you know, I went to dinner, um, in January and I, I, it's, you know, when someone just says something to you and it will stick with you for the rest of your life. I was at dinner with my best friend, Bethany and her girlfriend, Allie love. And we are all sitting in the booth at Charlie bird and Bethany said, you know, at my age right now, she's 30. She's probably going to love me if I say 36. She might be 37. Um, she says, at my age right now, all my friends are getting divorced and remarried. And she said, but you know what? They're all coming to our little group of friends and they're like, This second marriage sucks. Yeah. She's like, we have this issue, this issue, this issue. And they're like, wait, didn't you have those issues with your last husband? And she goes, you know what? No one realizes you're going to have those issues. It's just going to be with a different person.
4: Yes. It's
3: going to be different
2: issues with a different person, but you're going to have freaking issues.
3: Yes. And she said, you know what? I want to only have issues with one person the rest of my life. Yeah. I don't want to try figuring it out with a new person. And it hit me so hard. And I was like, you're so right. And that's kind of, I think, what led me into like the beginning of COVID is going like, let me figure out if this is that person I want to have these same issues with for the rest of my life. Yeah. And 100% without it, without question, there is nobody else I'd rather have riding shotgun with me.
2: And also you have a family and that's the sweetest mm-hmm. thing, you know what I mean? Like you'll have a sweet family and I, uh, Michael and I broke up for a while before we got married and he dated a lot of girls and I dated a lot of guys <laughs> and he came back and we finally got Did back that. together. He's like, listen, every girl's crazy and every guy can be an asshole or whatever. So you just got to pick the one that you want. They're crazy. You know, he's like, I know, he's like, I know you're crazy. I understand you're crazy. I love you're crazy. You are my crazy. And that's exactly what you're saying. It's like, you got to just decide, okay, your issues are the issues that (laughs) I know. I understand them. I can love them. I can deal with them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stick with your issues because I don't want to go figure them out with somebody else. No, I don't want to work. adapt to
3: someone else's. Yeah. No, like,
2: I can already yeah. live with you. We get along. We have fun. We have lots of things in common. Like it might not be what everyone else's relationship is, but it's ours and I love yes. it. And I don't want to have to go learn somebody else. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and that's so funny. Cause I'm like, does that make me lazy? I'm like, and it really comes down to like, when, if I, you know, I, my mom was always big whenever I got ready to do something, when I got ready to do a collective, when I got ready to start Kathy Thomas photography, When I took the job at Louis Vuitton and left another career, when I left Lucky Brand Jeans, which I was like, you know, I was ingrained into that company along with the founders and everything. And she's always like, make a pros and cons list and like really write it out and look at it. And I mean, I did it when, when Rob asked me to marry him, I wrote pros and cons when I was doing collective pros and cons. And so I think like a lot of issues, you know, this, the issues we tend to have with others has something to do with us. They did that. And so when you look at that pros and cons list and you really break it down, and not just pros, like is there a benefit, but like what does it do to fill me up inside? I you you really have to see where the scales tip. And you're right, like relearning something with someone else, I it just it's not a choice for me. And I think I know that because I got married a little bit later in life. Um, and I also, you know show up in my marriage because of the marriage, not cause like lust, love, the sex, the money, like all those things. It's really because like, I really respect what my husband does for a living. I really respect his opinion. I um, mean, he might not actually agree with that. <laughs> um, and I respect the way he pours into the family. I mean, he is a very hands-on father. He's a very hands-on husband. Um, he is like my hoorah and, and it makes a big difference. Everything else is
4: just honestly like water under the bridge.
2: Well, and everybody says, like you said, your friend said, all the people are getting, they're having their second marriages. Everybody thinks, well, not everyone, a lot of people, before they get in a relationship or before they are around a lot of people or like you, before you have that like intense relationship, whether it be a partner, whether it be a friendship, whatever, you think that there's going to be this perfect fairy tale out there. And it just, it just is not possible for anyone the people that you have on a pedestal that we all put on pedestals, everybody has a different person. They put on a pedestal in their mind. Whoever that person is that we have in our mind that is on the pedestal, I guarantee you that person has shit they're dealing with and that in their relationship. Oh, yeah, always. And they, I mean, they have stuff going on that, I mean, who knows what's happening in their lives and we have them on a pedestal comparing our lives to them, but really they, they could have, they could be falling apart at the seams and we just don't know it.
3: hmm. How long have you and Michael been together?
2: We got together when he was 21 and I was 24, and now I'm 36. But we had a, like the first four years of our relationship, we were we we dated and we were young, and it was I was I was definitely more um, I was more dramatic. Like I would be.
3: Were you all a over- <laughs>
2: <laughs> No, I was in a band too. Oh, you we, were. Uh, yeah, I started off as a I feel like he was my groupie. <laughs>
3: <laughs> my, my husband's my groupie and he'll admit it.
2: <laughs> but we were I we were both in bands and we met at a bar and actually we met in a recording studio in the beginning we were working with the same producer and then we re-met at a bar and this other guy was flirting with me and I knew him so I started talking to him and then we ended up just like dating for 4 years. But we were young and d- I like kind of just like all over the place emotionally and didn't know what we were doing with our lives so we broke up. And second round, after we broke up for two years, we just like had a, a better sense of ourselves. We had dated other people. We realized that mm-hmm. there are a lot of fish in the sea. But like, honestly, <laughs> I don't want to spend oh, any time with any of those fish in the sea because everybody's, everybody's <laughs> going Everybody to stink. Everybody's a smell. a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh so then God, we got married. So
3: and true. We got like, uh,
2: I guess like 11 years. With a two-year break in between.
3: Okay. Yeah, so you understand. And then, I mean, you guys have gone through things because you guys are going through a change now with building the house and his career. And his career, he's on hold, uh, right? Is that on hold? Pause, well, big pause.
2: N- now they, uh, they're on a new label with Warner Brothers and they're going to be releasing a new single. But it's just like, you know, when you pick a creative industry and you mm-hmm. cre- pick it, like, like, you know, when you follow a dream When it's not a nine to five, when it's something that you have to like invest all your eggs in one basket, really, and go all in and ride the wave, you're just going to have the waves. And like we both, he and I both have had waves. Like I've had so many different careers and like he's ridden the waves with me. His music career, he's always had his dream. But like this is his third major label deal. You know, it's just like you just have to go with it and just like let it unfold. And it takes a lot of faith and trust and it's hard. And sometimes you're like, what in the world are we going to do with our lives? Like, how are we going to make money? And then other times you're like, great. Holy cow. It's like raining. Yeah. It's like blessings raining. all over the
3: place. You're like, Bless- "Whoa, yeah, it's so true. And it, you know, it though, I think it's the difference of um, being able to see the blessings when they're there and appreciate the challenges too. I think if you can't sit, in, if you can't sit in the time things are challenging, you never really see the blessings. And I unfortunately see that happen with a lot of people. And I would love to sit on a phone call with them for an hour every day, and change their <laughs> mind. <laughs> what and, have you learned?
2: I, what have you learned by having Collective Six One Five?
3: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I have learned that. There is a lot of badass women out there <laughs> that do some really incredible things. I mean, I think that's the first one, you know, being in a creative field, I really thought I would attract people within my industry. Like collective would be built around people who are in in events, creative fields. Um, and I, I really thought that would be like the majority of our members. And I mean we were really fortunate. I did like some like um kind of crowdfunding in the beginning, signing members up early. We opened the doors with 72 members. All those wow. members have only seen it in construction. Yeah. And so we have everything from singer-songwriters to production companies to nonprofits to wealth management advisors, lawyers. Um, we just got our second lawyer. Um, people who work for banks. So people, a lot of people who have traditional jobs that work from home and just also know that home is not your workspace. Um, We have a lot of people, their company pays for their membership because they do work from home, but they want them to be out engaging. Um, So that was kind of something that was really eye-opening is really seeing the vast, like assortment of careers that would come together in collective. So that, um, number two, uh, this is one that I have not taken enough time to really sit on, But the fact, when I started Collective, I only lived here a year. Dang. Is that not crazy? Like when I, it was one year to when I found the location and I had lived in Orlando for five years before that, 10 years in New York city, both of them, I would have had more confidence in building a brand new business model that was new to an entire state. Like there just isn't one of these in the state of Tennessee. Um, more confident in the support and my, my women crew there, but there was something about Nashville that really just told me this was the right place, the right people and the right time. Um, it was actually a day I walked into church. I still remember it like yesterday. It's such a funny moment. And um, I'll have to share it with you. It's funny, but, um, I, I couldn't believe how a community, an entire city, came together and supported this idea enough to where I felt confident as a solo owner to open a business of this magnitude. It still blows my mind today. Nashville is an amazing city.
2: Nashville is an amazing city and it's so community driven. I feel
3: like.
1: And it's
2: supportive. Like a lot of big cities, you feel a lot of competition and women feel like they have to compete against each other or whatever, even though that conversation is changing. And I feel like that's a, that, that that old mentality is changing. Mm -hmm. Nashville is so supportive and especially the women community. I feel like women here rally together.
3: They do. I have to tell you, I think it's, you know, it's different. Industries are different in every city. So like in Orlando, the the wedding industry, it's very large there. Obviously it's Florida and it's a very tight community. They talk every day, they hang out, they support each other. They, they are one Um, here. You're right. It is like, And and it's not divided. It's not like medical industry, music industry, education. Everyone really rallies together. Um, And everyone wants to help someone else. Like it is really amazing. So that would be my next thing was like the eye opener is like the collaborations. I mean, majority of our members are already hiring each other into each other's businesses or to their clients. And that like a rapid rate.
2: Do you feel like people who join Collective end up working together?
3: 100%. So they We're going to do testimonials by the end of the summer where you'll see people who sign people onto their, some of their biggest clients or biggest contracts, hire them for themselves. It's, it's fantastic.
2: Because all these women go to work on their individual careers, but then they end up talking and you'll have a coffee bar there and like, you yes. can like, have little like snacks and like, so it's like, it, there's like, it's like a watering hole. So all these women who are working end up socializing and meeting each other and exchanging ideas and talking about what they're doing. And then collaborating.
3: 100%. I mean, there's like production company and they're like, oh, I need someone to write this content for this ad for, you know, Draper James or something. And someone's like, oh, I'm a content writer. And they're like, "Nah." and they're like, yeah, here's what I do. And then, you know, someone's like, oh, I wish we had a patent lawyer and we have a lawyer in the room. And it's funny because they don't know really what each other does. Like we don't kind of exploit that a lot. We bring awareness to who they are and their successes. So we'll celebrate anniversaries and awards and contract deals. One of our members just signed her, her literary book agent deal. So we just celebrated that. Um, and we have them do a lot of speaking engagements, like educating the members in the community. So it gives them exposure, but really it's like you said, it's that like sitting at the coffee, like what do you do over pouring coffee or like, Hey, let's go get some Thai food out in the center. Cause we're in an ecosystem of other service providers and they come back and they're like, oh, I'm totally hiring Tiffany to be my coach. I, this is something I needed. And it's really fantastic seeing it iron out. I mean, it's what I dreamed it would be like, but I, I knew it wasn't something you can force. Um, and it's just, it's it's or <laughs> well, fun, trendy word, organically happening, and it is.
2: Dang, Kathy. I mean, that mm-hmm. has to feel like magical, spiritual, emotional to see all this come to life because it was your dream You built it, but then to see other women come in and love your dream in their own way and then take it to another level and like grow, make the idea even bigger by like combining forces with other women and like to see all that magic just exploding. I mean, that has to just make you feel so proud and happy and just (laughs) like, I can't even imagine warmth that you feel from that.
3: I mean, my members will say like yesterday we were in there and we had, um, so we've signed on eight people since being back in, which is huge. We didn't think that would happen. Um, So we had an onboarding day. We had 12 people. We had actually 13 people in. And, you know, I just, I saw the room filled with people and like, obviously following CDC guidelines, it was filled with people. And I just out of nowhere, I'm walking to get coffee and I'm like, Y'all, I just have to tell you like how grateful I am. This fills my heart up so much, seeing you all back here together. And it was a very talkative day and it's usually not that way, but they were all communicating and talking, welcoming each other back, meeting new people. People are going to lunch together. And so we took like this, like our band photo where we're all like staggered throughout the space with our mask on, which we wear <laughs> when we move around the room we don't require if they're just sat because they're a good distance from each other. Um, but when they move around the room, we ask just cause we do have some um, members who are autoimmune compromised. And, um, and it just, it really, I was like, Oh, it's not just me. Like I'm not just the person who felt like my w- home should not be my workspace. I'm not the only person who thrives off a community and works better in a paced environment. Um, so yeah, so you were asking me about, um, the moment. So I sat on my lease from October till January. I didn't sign it. And I was like, who is this? Right. And I like ran the numbers, reran the numbers, <laughs> you know, did everything, lost tons of sleep, um, lots of anxiety. And I said to Rob, we were going to church and I said today, if I don't feel like I see a sign to sign this lease, this is my, this is my window. I can walk away.
2: Do you wanted an actual sign? I love that. 100%. I love signs.
3: Like you something just had to hit me so hard that made me say there's no turning back. Because at this point we had crowdfunded a lot. We hadn't spent a dime in that money. So everything could go back to anyone who had committed, whether they were corporate sponsors, whether they were members, we could put it all give it all back. We were not we still actually haven't touched that money. We'd give it all back. Um, and I said, you know, I'm supposed to meet with my broker the following week. And I said, Rob, I, I like between now and when I have to meet with Ricky, I need, I need to just feel 110% confident because right now I'm <clears throat> getting ready to make a big decision on our life. And, um, because of the space, which you have seen and you've been in it's at that so time, I was beautiful. It, it is. I, I can actually admit that it is absolutely incredible. I feel great walking into it every day. I was having a lot of people approach me and offer to buy off me before we, I even, I didn't even lease really sign. They're like, I will pay you 10 more dollars on the square foot. I will buy the model from you. I will take part of the space, whatever. Like, so I was getting approached a lot. And um, we walked into church and we were a little bit late and they have, um, in the Christian world, they're at big singers. But anyways, it was female vocalist up on stage and we were walking in and she was singing high hopes. And it's one of those songs that like I can jam out to Um, I blocked my daughter. I like educated her on the whole story of Panic at the Disco because I had some like correlation to them back when they started. And um, so I walked her through like their story of like how they broke up and one person took the name and what a challenge that would be because he sings about it a lot. And Uh she at eight understands that more than we do. (laughs) And she's like, I don't understand what he means by this and this and this. And I was like, Well, you know, the rest of his team left him, and then he probably had to purchase this name from them. Then that's a journey, you know. He could have went off on his own and started his own career with his own name, but he was attached to that name somehow. And that's really hard to then be part of a group and break off and still have all the overshadowing of that group. And I'm like explaining it to her way more than an eight year old should know. Um, <laughs> and we walk in, so it was like our favorite song, and she. When it since it was released, every time it came on in the car, she's like, "This is Mom's song. Turn it up, turn it up." And we walked into church, and they were playing it, and I just started bawling. Stop! And I bawled the, the whole time. Goes,
2: the chorus goes, "I had got to have high, high hopes for." How's it go? Got to have, have high
3: hopes for a living. Um, gotta, you... I, I'm gonna get choked up if I say it. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell you the premise of it. Like, it, I mean, it's really about like you have nothing but hopes. Yeah. Um, Dang, Kathy! Nothing but hopes. You don't have the financial ability, so it wasn't like I just had an extra million dollars sitting in a bank that I was like, "Let me just build this thing." Because like, this money to burn. Um, I did play with the idea of investors, um, and I'm not saying that has been, um, you know, put on the back burner. That's still, and as we grow, there's my little, my little uh, Easter egg right there. As we grow, <laughs> we'll probably explore the investor route, um, but it was really, it's kind of like, you know, this kid saying, mom, like, I I just stuck with it. You believed in me. I stayed on the path that I was supposed to. And with nothing, this came out of it. And so then the whole entire, um, service was based around this whole, you know, for me, everyone probably took out a different idea. I took out one idea and it was believe before you see. Wow. So, um, And I just, I kept on sitting with that through church that whole day was like, believe before you see. And I was like, wait a minute, I am the person who believes before I see on everything in my life. Like, you know, you, I don't have to see it 100% to buy in. I believed in my marriage, you know, six months in having never wanted to be married ever. I believed in it six months in before even getting married. I was like, oh, this is the right person. Like I see it, you know, making a move to New York city, leaving Lucky Brand Jeans, leaving Louis Vuitton. Um, starting Kathy Thomas photography, taking on two careers now, um, deciding to have a baby. Like it was a decision we made cause we weren't sure if we wanted to do that. Deciding not to have a second. Like all those was kind of like uh, believing in it before I saw it. So,
2: yeah. And that's why I freaking love you, Kathy, because you <laughs> believe, you believe before you see, and I wore my trust your soul shirt today. I love
3: that. I know. It's so funny. I'm I'm big on like obviously sharing verbal inspiration on my chest. (laughs) I, I love it. I think this trend is should be here to stay. And I think it's great because it says a lot about people when they pronounce kind of their emotions, their feelings and where they stand on things right on the front of their shirts.
2: I love that. I haven't actually even thought of it in that way, but you're so right. Like, I think that's so great. It's like a statement. Like here's, here's how I feel. What has motherhood taught you?
3: Um, oh my goodness. Why has it taught me? So that's a really, that could go so many ways. Um, I mean, so many things. Um, There's so many things out there bigger than myself. I I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, I am, I mean, I can actually say like I'm obsessed with my daughter and I would say up until probably age five, people would say, don't you just love being mom? And I'm like, Hmm. (laughs) No, I love, I love my daughter, but being mom, like mom was not my role. Like I'm, I'm the prime Amazon prime mom, you know, um, when we would go to the park for playdates, I just love this. This is so, we'll tell you what I'm getting ready to say. Um, we would show up at playdates and we would get there and like unload, which mine was like, put my little pochette down and put my daughter down. And my girlfriends would be like, oh, here's Stella's juice box and I got her goldfish and here's a sandwich for her. And I'm like, oh, thanks. And they're like, oh, don't worry, I got you. And I'm like, oh, no, that's good. And they're like, well, I mean, because you never bring like the snacks. I'm like, there's a Starbucks right there. There's a Wendy's, (laughs) there's a Chick-fil-A. Like if she needs something. All my resources, this is like New York mom. I'm like, all my resources are here. I don't have to pack her entire, so like I was never a diaper bag mom. <laughs> you know, I love these moms that are like, oh wait, you need wipes? I have wipes. I'm like, oh, I would just go to the bathroom at Starbucks. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was never that mom. Um, so I think what it's taught me to do is, um, I mean, probably the things that I value someone else's life at a level you value your own, but even more.
4: hmm
3: you yeah. Know, I I care for her to be a better version of myself and a better version of Rob.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You know,
3: I said, you know, I said early on when we started at the school we're at, um, you know, you have to be interviewed and she had to go in and be assessed and all this stuff. And I thought, is this gonna be really worth it? And I remember sitting down being like, please pick us, please pick us to pay you to teach our daughter, please pick us. Um <laughs> I, I said to them, they were like, so what's your one goal for Stella? So this says a lot about motherhood. And I said, honestly? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, they're either going to love us or they're not going to love us right now as I get ready to say this. I said, I don't want to raise an asshole. I was like, yeah. I want to raise a kid that other kids and other parents are really happy being around. <gasps> and if that's the only thing, <laughs> if that's yep. the only thing I do, I have won. Amen. And, you know, and they laughed and I, you know, Rob's like, did you just swear? Seriously, Kathy? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's my big goal. So like, if you guys come provide in an environment where what we're hoping to instill in her at home, which is kindness and leadership and having value on things um, that are important and not on the things that aren't important, like I don't care about her test scores. And I don't, you know, those are not things that are going to be weighing heavy on where my daughter's going to think her value lies. So I think it's taught me a lot to see things globally, obviously with the current, like Amy Cooper situation, Aubrey situation and the George Floyd situation. Like I want to raise a kid that is considerate who is, um, kind, who is accepting, Um, But also still stands up for those who can't, who stands up for herself, is confident, is strong, um, is intimidating when she needs to be, but is obviously very frill and kind when she needs to be too. Um, So that's what's taught me is to really look at the big picture. I mean, everything from the, the words that come out of our mouth to the actions that we take as parents, knowing that she is absorbing that and she will be a reflection of anything that we do in front of her or the practices that we put in place. So we're not perfect. But when I think about the things like I'm messy, I'm okay if my daughter's messy. Yeah. You know, um, I, I I just want her to be good. You know, when we pull up to a stop sign, there's right now, as we get off the exit to go to collective, there's a guy there and it just says, I only want food. And she's like, mom, I have my lunch with me. Like he only wants food. Like she'll read the sign you know, and be excited. And, you know, there's times where her and I have like pulled up somewhere and someone's asking for food, but we've drove past and her and I will go back around the block, drive through a, a fast food pr- drive through and then go and drop it off. And she's so excited to do that. Oh, you know, it's stuff like that, that I, I, I want her to be. So motherhood has really taught me to really question my actions a lot, knowing that they're going to completely be a direct reflection on her. And this probably has a lot to do with my father. Yeah. You know, and my mother, you know, at knowing that what I saw definitely has molded who I am good and bad. And in ways I'm a lot like my father. Um, and I want to make sure if she picks up characteristics of Rob and I, that we can at least say they're the better version of the elements that make up our character.
2: Yeah. I love that. I
3: yeah. So, Oh man. yeah.
2: So I have two more questions for you. Okay. What is success? What does success mean to you?
3: Happiness. Yeah.
2: What is Happy. happiness? What is happiness to you? So
3: I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm being honest. So I um, have never done therapy ever, and we have a therapy company at Collective. It's called the Happy Hour, and awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, and they do. They start. They introduced um, these group counseling sessions during COVID. And it was every Saturday from 11 to 1.30. So you know, if on a Saturday I'm showing up from 11 to 1.30 in the middle of my day and I'm excited about it where I'm not shooting weddings and I, (laughs) there's other things I want to be doing, but I would show up to it with a group of five women from all over the country. And they asked us some really challenging questions. Like one was, you have to write down, what does your happiest day look like?
2: Ooh, what does your happiest day look like?
3: I haven't wrote it down yet. (laughs) I wrote down elements to it. It's like a long project. So, I mean, I start crying. I mean, as other people did too.
2: What are some of the elements in your happiest day?
3: Um, No anxiety. So as simple as it is, not worrying about what's next with Collective, not worrying about the next photography contract, not worrying about our future. Because I'm not a big worry, but like anxiety definitely – plays a role in my life, um, slowing down enough to just appreciate the things that are right in front of me. So really having a day where I can just be really super present probably has a lot to do with anxiety. Um, and then I don't know, I still have to do this. I've challenged some friends to do it and they've done it. So my mom actually, I have a letter. I still have it open for my mom. I asked my mom and of course she's not going to text me or write this cause she's not on Wi-Fi or anything. So she wrote me a letter, what it was. Wow. Mm -hmm. And then Rob texts me. He's like, why do you ask me stuff? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't function like this. And I was like, I know. I was like, but I'm still trying to figure it out. And the fact I've never taken the time to think about what my happiest day is. um, And he texts me and it was beautiful. Like he texts me a whole thing and it was like waking up, working out with you, having sex with you, playing with Stella, teaching her something new. I I mean, it was so awesome. I was like, wow, Um, he's a lot more simpler than I am.
2: You know what? Sometimes simplicity is the key to life. I mean, basic basic needs, loves, and wants. Like,
3: yes. Yeah. And so I, you know, I haven't quite written it down now, but I used to gauge success as something monetary, title, and things. So 100%, I would say those would be the three things I would say. And I'd always say friendships, relationships, 100%. In New York City, those are definitely the four I would say, always. And I would feel very confident about that. Now I would definitely say relationships. Oh, actually I know. In that happiness is relationships, quality time, whether in your business or outside of your business. True quality, quality, valuable time. Um, and so success would be, I mean, I've never been shy about this. I do want to leave this earth knowing I changed one person's life in a big way.
2: Well, you already you're doing that. That's already, you already can check that one off your bucket list, Kathy.
3: Thank you. So that's, that's success to me. Just really changing someone's life, really being content. I'm not a content person, being very content in my, in my own mind and in my relationships. Um, well, I, I mean, I think pouring into myself and I probably don't do that enough. I love that.
2: Okay. And I wrap all my interviews with leave your light. What do you want people to know?
3: Um, I think if I was to say one thing, and obviously you see that's hard for me to do, um, yeah. I it, like you, you got this. Like as simple as that is, is you got this. Like, you know, I say God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And obviously some people can't handle the things and we see the result of that. Um, but if you really walk through your journey every single day, knowing that, like you really can handle this. You can, you really can handle this. I mean, you sometimes have to look it straight in the face and just handle it. Sometimes you have to hide under the covers and handle it later. But like you really do got this, like you have more control than, you know. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is that you, you really got this, like, you know, and and to beside, like, you probably deserve it. So, it you know, is. if you live within those two things, like everything else doesn't seem so scary.
2: Yeah, exactly. And like you said, in the beginning, you look at other people, they have two arms, two legs, put their pants on the same way they can do. it. Why can't you?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, just like you got it, you know, and you might fail. I, I share that a lot with people. Like, um, I learned it from a friend and I've passed on to my team and to a lot of my friends, like hurry up and fail like fall flat on your face because it's really unusual for you to do the same failure twice. So like yeah. hurry up and fail, make the mistake and get to the other side. Amen. Don't be so scared of it.
2: It's not so scary. Once you hurry up and fail, you realize failing is not so scary. Just get going with it. Just go ahead and start the process.
3: <laughs> What's your one thing?
2: My one thing, like le- like what, yeah, I want what do you
3: to- leave? Yeah. What do you leave hmm. people with? Do you, have you shared it before on the podcast? Has anyone asked you? Nope. No, <laughs> yeah. What's yours? Uh, Put you on the spot. Question.
2: Now that it's being turned <laughs> the table. Day. Okay. Um, what do I want people to know? I guess I want people to know that they are 100% worthy of whatever true dreams and desires that are burning a hole in their heart. That if you have whatever is on your heart is meant for you. And like you said, I don't like you can do it. Like, just like get after it. Like if it's, if it's on your heart and it feels, I mean, honestly, like holy and spiritual and like what you're Mm -hmm. destined to do, God put it there and you can do it. And you, like you, like you said, you deserve it. So I just want people to know they're worthy of their dreams. And if you follow them, God will make the way. Like, yeah. it, and it's not going to be easy, and like you're going to have a lot of hard times, and there's going to be some moments that really rock you to your core and break heart oh. and disrupt your whole life. But sometimes those are the necessary curves and roadblocks and like earthquakes that we have to go through to shape us. And so, the bad is just as necessary as the good. And really it's not bad and it's not good. It just is. It's part of your journey to make you who you are, which is not, you know, there's not this finish line where it's like, I've acquired all this wealth. I've acquired all this success. I've acquired all this status. I have all these relationships. I have this, this life I've built really, like you build this life, but like there is no finish line. All of it is just to teach you and to mold you into who you ultimately came here to be and to learn the lessons that you wanted to learn when you came into this life, I think.
3: I think you've hit it on the head. And that's something, you know, I think the sooner people start believing in themselves, others will believe in them too. Amen. And I love I think that. That's, that's that's obviously probably the biggest challenge right there. Um, but if you can master that, you don't have to master that. If you could just believe it for 30 seconds out of every day. Yeah. 30 seconds every day you show up and you say, I got this. Like, and yes. really believe it, it to where you feel it inside I, I think that other people will catch on to that and y- you have it. You will succeed. And, su- and- success might mean that you failed at what that was and it shows you that that wasn't really your path. That is mm-hmm. also part of success. And I think some people fail to recognize that is that sometimes failure is part of success too.
2: Oh, it's, uh, it's totally a part of success. You cannot, and just because you failed at one thing, that failure could open the door to the actual thing that you want to mm-hmm. do. Like it's all a part of the process. It's a never ending domino effect. Like one situation leads to the next, the next, the next, you gain a little bit of knowledge. You posted something today That's not failure. It's either success or a yeah. lesson.
3: Yeah. 100%. And I grabbed that off someone else and I was like, that is so true. What I will win it? or I will learn.
2: I yeah, will so win or like, I
3: will wow. learn, but I won't lose.
2: I will win or I will learn or I won't lose. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for You're joining welcome. me. You're so inspiring. I freaking love you. Everyone who lives in Nashville is a badass woman, go check out Collective 615. Follow them on Instagram at Collective 615. And thank you for your inspiring heart and soul. you joining welcome. me. Thank you
3: for texting me today. And thank you to your listeners for like tuning in and listen to us ramble. And then come over and, and yeah. we'll drink some Kama soon oh, on my new yes. deck before you leave East.
2: Yes, yes,
3: yes. I love it. Thank you, Carolyn. Okay, bye.
0: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's
4: guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your
0: money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
4: Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring